Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by registered dietitian and human performance coach Pratik Patel to discuss why everyone should consider taking the supplement creatine. Pratik breaks down creatine's impact on exercise, brain health, and its emerging use in preventing and treating disease. Pratik also discusses dosing strategies and so much more, but I want to make it clear before we start today that before making significant changes to your diet, you should consider talking to a registered dietitian or your physician. All right, let's dig in. Pratik, let's talk about the most controversial supplement ever. Uh, And when I say controversial, I'm going to put big air quotes around that. Let's talk about creatine. You know, what is it? Is it safe? Should I use it? Should I not use it? And if I do, like, how do I use it? Yeah. And this is a question I get quite a bit, even in the sporting circles, you know, creatine became uber popular because of the bodybuilding culture. And what people need to realize is it's not something that's just created in a lab that's for these mass monsters. It's something that's naturally occurring in our bodies. So it's an inorganic compound. You can, you may be able to call it an amino acid. It's formed from uh, arginine and glycine and think a little bit of methionine. So amino acids that we need in the diet, it's found heavily, it's prevalent in animal sources. So if you're following a plant-based diet, a vegetarian diet, you're really not going to get very much creatine from dietary sources, but humans generally take in anywhere from one to two grams per day from food sources. If you eat a, an omnivorous or an animal type diet. Now there's also utilization of it too. So there's this intake and then breakdown. So it stores in our brain and our muscles it's been popularized because it does have that phosphate group. So creatine phosphate, it donates that phosphate group to ADP, circulating ADP for ATP. And ATP is what? Adenosine triphosphate. This is the energy that our cells need to use to move, you know, whether it's creating it quickly. So if you're a sprinter, if you're uh, a lifter and you need a large amount of ATP to generate a a tremendous amount of force, then there's advantageous reasons for, supplementing with it. Um, We also create it aerobically through the breakdown of fatty acid oxidation. So those that are endurance athletes that don't train at a really high intensity, you're predominantly burning a little bit more fat to create ATP. So outside of that, it's predominantly found in the diet. Now what they've started to do is they started supplementing with it to say, okay, if we can get it exogenously and load it into the muscle, saturate the muscle, is this going to help us perform at a higher rate without fatiguing. Mm -hmm. So it's not automatically going to build muscle. It's not automatically going to make you a better athlete. It allows you to compete or maintain a certain workload for a longer period of time, especially at higher intensities. So that's the benefit of supplementing with it. If you are looking at it from an ergogenic perspective, you know, I want to get stronger. I want to build muscle mass. I want to delay fatigue. Now what they've started to do and what I've had the opportunity to kind of talk to other researchers and see over the past, five years or so, maybe even 10, is creatine isn't just for athletic populations. They Because of where it stores in the body, how it's utilized, it has a variety of different functions. Now they're looking at it as a big component for bone health, for cognitive function, you know, assisting and helping out with concussions, with uh, Alzheimer's, with uh, depression. Also, you have at-risk populations. So we might be talking about people with type 2 diabetes or those that have cardiovascular issues, they have heart failure. And having creatine supplemented, actually, because it can be utilized as an energy source, can be something 
that is added to their therapeutic recommendations. It also has been supplemented in certain populations where it can be seen as having an anti-inflammatory uh, effect, keeping some of these inflammation markers down. So it's one of these amazing things that has so much utility that it, unless there's a very, very specific reason why you might have some issue with it, almost every type of population on the planet could benefit from supplementing with creatine. Wow. So what you're telling me is all the crap media, social media, whatever it is, it's been circulating since the 90s that creatine like will dehydrate you and cause kidney failure and creatine will kill you and all this kind of stuff. That's complete baloney. Yeah, it's complete BS. And they've actually studied in terms of dehydration, cramping, uh, heat issue effects. There have been some football teams that have supplemented with it, not only over the course of a year or multiple years. And they found the association with those athletes that ended up supplementing with creatine had less incidences of injury risk, soft tissue, dehydration, cramping, because when it stores in the muscle, it also loads water with it too. The same way when you eat carbohydrates and you store glycogen into the muscle, that also loads water in with it too. So yeah, there is an initial weight gain when you do supplement with creatine. That's because it's just water bound to it. That so gets... why, why don't uh, these sports drinks include a little bit of creatine? Some do. It just depends on the drink. Now, if you're thinking of it from a recovery perspective, I'm more... talking about in time, like real time, like like a Gatorade type of solution that you'd be drinking during an event. Yeah. What you don't want to do with what you drink during an event is to draw too much fluid into the stomach. So you have your your hypotonic, isotonic, hypertonic, depending on the total number of solutes in it. Is it super concentrated? Is it not? So there's always a time and place for drinking some of these. Uh, formulas. Now, creatine also isn't automatically going to be utilized in that sense. It has to get loaded into the muscle where it's going to be available, readily available to be called upon for it. So in terms of GI issues, you wouldn't want to take it during because it's not going to be able to be utilized as an energy source as quickly or as efficiently as consuming something with glucose or fructose or a mixture of both of those. Nice. This is super interesting. So Totally fine for generic population to use. Uh, it's great for all sorts of like uh, physical things. Like so, for instance, training and exercise. It's going to help me produce more force over a short period of time. There's also implications for brain health, which I've been reading about Alzheimer's, dementia, which you just mentioned. So if I want to use this and I want to use it in a safe way, uh, what would you recommend? I would say based on what the literature shows, you'd want to make sure you're starting out with the right form. So there's a lot of different creatine forms, some, you know, crealkaline, creatine HCL, super creatine that some of these companies <laughs> yeah. like to market. Super creatine. I know. Yeah. But the one that's been studied the most, even compared to all the others that hands down is the most effective is creatine monohydrate. In the in the form of that, you'd want to get creapure creatine monohydrate. That's the one if you end up looking at the package and then opening it up, they look more like crystals instead of just like a, a powder. Mm. Uh, very easily absorbed, not a lot of GI issues for the most part compared to just a generic creatine monohydrate. And then in terms of when you would take it, if you're a person who's active, you can take it at the tail end of your workout. And in the combination of protein, carbohydrates, and even some electrolytes, you know, your, your sodium, potassium, magnesium, that helps it get 
absorbed and assimilated into the body. Old rule of thumb was you would have to load it. So you'd have to take a high dose over the course of five to seven days to supersaturate the muscle. And then after that week, you could do a maintenance dose. Now, you would saturate and you'd use grape juice. Oh, yeah. I used to do this like in like <laughs> early 2000s. I would buy grape juice and it would be like 10 grams or something crazy, six up to 10, something like that. Yeah, 20 grams a day, four yes. different doses. And I've done the loading protocol where it's, hey, upon waking up, before your workout, after your workout, and then before bed. But again, remembering to do that four times a day is difficult. Yeah. But the good news is what they found is if you just stick with a consistent dose, for, generally for most people, five grams a day is the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a massive individual, you know, playing specific sports and you're just have you have a ton of muscle breakdown and that's what the demands are, yeah, maybe you can go with more. But if you just did a single daily dose, you could saturate the muscle in the same way that you could get through loading if you stick with it for about three to four weeks. Nice. Yeah. So uh, you just say like everybody should take five grams a day or what if I'm a 130 pound person or 160 pound? Does it matter? Yeah. Five grams is kind of easy to remember because most of the doses are one scoop is five five grams, but it's 0.03 grams per kilogram. Okay. So people are going to need to know how to convert pounds yeah. to kilograms divided by pound pa- pa- one kilogram is 2.2 pounds mm-hmm. so, so body weight divided by 2.2 2 yeah so pounds. times, times 0.3 so rule of thumb if you're over or like 185 pounds 200 pounds like five grams is easy yeah so if you really want to do it right 0.3 grams per kilogram 0. 0. 0.03 0.03 0.03 mm-hmm. oh okay 0.03 grams per kilogram per day mm-hmm. And if I'm exercising, do it right after I'm done training, maybe like a mixture of some electrolytes, eat it like if I'm having food or a protein shake, blend it in there. Otherwise, otherwise, if you're not training, you could take it upon waking up or with your first meal. There you go. Perfect. And you said today, here we are in Austin recording this, that you just had it with your protein shake on a non-training day. So you're practicing what you're preaching. Yes, I am. Um, I love creatine. I've used it forever. Um, I'm just, ex- I'm really excited about the new research that in the neuroscience space, it makes a lot of sense when you start thinking about, you know, dehydration as we age. I think Mike Boyle is is a really great guy, but he said the process of aging is going from filet mignon to beef jerky. <laughs> and if you think about the role of creatine acting as a hydrator, like it, there's a lot of implications for that of what it could do. Um, and the other mechanisms that I can't go into. But uh, I just think it's really fascinating that when I was growing up, my parents made me stop taking it because there were some wrestlers from Oklahoma or Oklahoma State that died. And they, well, they didn't, they were like, they were, I think it was USA Today. Don't, I don't want to get sued for libel, <laughs> but one of these big media outlets was like, hey, uh, you know, they were using creatine. That's why they died. Well, the reality was, is they were, they died because of a heat stroke, I think. Overtraining. Yeah, and they had like uh, the old trash bag trying to cut weight or something like that. So the danger's not there. Um, I think like you and I can offline try to find like one or two meta-analysis that we could throw in the show notes. And then I'll put a link in the show notes too for, I think we both use Thorn, don't we? I, there's a variety of companies. If you're going to choose one, Thorn's a great one. Mm -hmm. I personally use DotFit. They have two different versions. One is just a creatine monohydrate. It's flavored. Mm-hmm. So most companies just have it unflavored. You right. can mix it with whatever. 
That one's flavored, but they also have one that has it's mixed in with beta alanine and, and glutamine. Mm. It's not cheap, but I think it's worth it for me. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out too. Well, sweet. Thanks for chatting about creatine today. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you found today's discussion about creatine to be informative and useful. Make sure to check out the links to the papers that I put in the show notes. And if you are looking to purchase creatine, I added a link to a trusted brand that I like to use. It's called Thorn. Thanks again for joining us today, and I'll catch you on the next episode.